Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Corbett Report Radio right here on Republic Broadcasting with your host, the one and only James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, broadcasting to you, as always, from the currently rainy climes of western Japan, where it is 1 o'clock in the afternoon on the 8th of June, 2012, and it's probably midnight for all of you out there on the East Coast. It's uh, 11 for you in the Central Time Zone, 10 Mountain, 9 Pacific. So wherever you are, whenever you are, I'm glad that you're tuned in for tonight's edition of the broadcast. And for those of you out there who have uh, been listening this week, you will know that, well, this is the week of the fifth anniversary of the Corbett Report. So uh, a bit of a milestone and one that we've been celebrating all week and are continuing to celebrate with our free DVD giveaway. Each night this week here on the broadcast, we're giving away one copy of my new and forthcoming DVD, the Data DVD Volume 2, which represents every single podcast episode, every interview, every article, every video that I created and conducted in 2009. So uh, about six gigabytes of information there. On one DVD, it will be available for purchase later this week from CorbettReport.com for 5,000 Japanese yen. That's about 50 American dollars. But uh, each night, one person is winning a free copy. So continue to listen tonight for your chance to win. When we open up the phone lines, uh, the, uh, the first caller will, in fact, get a free DVD. But on that note, for people who have been listening to the Corbett Report for any one of those five years, you will know that generally around this time of year, well, I will have already conducted uh, numerous interviews about Bilderberg and uh, done a podcast episode about Bilderberg and one or two videos about Bilderberg and talked about Bilderberg to some extent because, as uh, people out there know, Bilderberg is one of those extremely important globalist conferences that takes place each year at a five-star resort somewhere within driving distance of a major capital in North America or Europe. And this year it was in Chantilly, Virginia, but for anyone who has been with us for the past few weeks, you will know that I was away on vacation during Bilderberg for the first time in the five-year run of the Corbett Report, so there was no Bilderberg coverage for the first time. So we're really going to uh, to get a our, our big Bilderberg wrap-up here tonight, but with a couple of guests that we're bringing up for you, and it's their first time on the program. We have Alex uh, Thomas and Shepard uh, Ambellis from theintelhub.com, theintelhub.com, which has been a source of, well, a lot of uh, information about Bilderberg this year. They managed to attend the festivities, shall we say, in uh, in Chantilly, Virginia, and to occupy Bilderberg, occupy the 0.01%, as the slogan goes. So let's bring them up. I understand we have them on the line. Uh, Alex and Sheps, thank you so much for uh, coming on the program tonight. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. This is Shepard. Uh, glad, glad, glad to be here, James. All right, excellent. Well, it is your first, your guys' first time on the broadcast here, so let's just start with a little bit of introduction about the Intel Hub. Well, uh, uh, Alex Thomas and myself founded it uh, back in late 2009, early 2010, and uh, we just uh, worked hard to expose the BP uh, oil spill and uh, several other topics of interest, and it grew from there. And, uh, you know, it was, it's been a pretty wild ride, quite an experience, uh, James. 
I can only imagine. I know that uh, it has grown in leaps and bounds, and especially uh, you've gotten a lot of coverage for your Bilderberg coverage, and deservedly sh- so, I think. Um, but uh, So let's just differentiate the voices for people. Alex, if you can say hi. Uh, yeah, hey, James. This is Alex here. And Shep. Hey, this is Shepard. All right. Okay, excellent. Well, we will get back to you right after this first break, and we'll start breaking down the coverage of Bilderberg 2012 and what really took place there. You're tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the broadcast, friends. We are here on this Thursday night edition of Corbett Report Radio talking to Alex Thomas and Shepard Ambellis of the IntelHub.com, which I'm sure many of the listeners out there will be familiar with by now. If not, go and check it out. It is a great news resource on so many different issues, and anyone who has been following it the last few weeks will certainly have known that uh, the team went out to Chantilly, Virginia, to go and uh, hunt the Bilderbergers, as it were, of course, in a metaphorical sense, and to uh, to take pictures and to expose what's really going on there, because, of course, the mainstream media will not do so. And uh, once again tonight, we are talking to Alex uh, Thomas, who is the co-founder and the editor of the IntelHub.com, and Shepard Ambellis, who is the founder and director of the Intel Hub. So, uh, guys, I, I know that uh, you did a lot of uh, Bilderberg coverage over the last few weeks, so this this will probably seem like a very basic question and one that most of the listeners out there, I'm sure, will not need explained to them, but we have new listeners all the time, and you never know where people are. So so let's start with uh, Shepard. Perhaps you can explain for people out there who have never heard of Bilderberg before just what it is and why it's so important. Well, it started out, uh, this is the actually the meeting that just took place in Chantilly, uh, was the 58th annual meeting. It's a gathering of these uh, elites, these oligarchs, these globalists, <clears throat> and uh, essentially they come together once a year and they kind of uh, hash out ideas, they share and exchange information, and since these oligarchs, these elites that gather there, uh, actually have their a lot of things at their fingertips, Due to the, um, you know, the type of corporations that they own, uh, or whatever they're into, uh, they're very wealthy, very powerful. So they can use this as a, as a tool to steer uh, changes around the globe, uh, you know, at will, almost essentially. And so that's kind of the Bilderberg Group in a nutshell. Well, that, that is it, and uh, certainly uh, I've definitely done some coverage of this in the past, so if people want to dip into the CorbettReport.com archives for some of the history of Bilderberg and why it's so important, some of the decisions they've made in the past, and some of the interviews with people like Daniel Estelin and Jim Tucker and others who have been exposing them for years, they can do so at their own leisure, but, uh, but I'm pretty sure most of the people are on board with it by now because the alternative media has been 
so relentless and so tireless in exposing what's really going on there. So let's start to talk about that. Uh, Alex, uh, talk, talk us through a little bit about uh, how you guys came to the decision to go out to this year's meeting and what kind of preparations were involved. Oh, uh, yeah, James, I want to thank you properly for having us on the show. I've been following a corporate report for at least a couple of years, so I'm happy to be here. But, yeah, we, you know, we, we had originally planned to cover the NATO protests, um, the G20, and before they had or the NATO protests before they moved the uh, G8 or G20 to Camp David. We were planning on covering that, and then once we heard that the news that, you know, Bilderberg would be in the U.S. again and uh, in Chantilly, Virginia, we just knew that, we had to cover uh, Bilderberg rather than the public rollout of the police state that I think is kind of, you know, good for uh, video and cameras, but it's not a, you know, they're not making the decisions they're making at Bilderberg at NATO. So I think, um, you know, most of the main power players in NATO are members of the Bilderberg group or have been to the Bilderberg group. So I think it was an easy decision when we uh, looked at it between the NATO protest and Bilderberg, and we kind of just went from there. Well, I think you made the right decision. Um, certainly the uh, NATO uh, brouhaha was really going to be nothing more than a type of police state crackdown and testing of the uh, the resources. So it's good to see that, uh, that Bilderberg gets the coverage uh, because obviously uh, NATO will be covered in the mainstream media. Bilderberg won't. So that's uh, something that the alternative media really has to step up and do a stellar job on. So I'm glad you guys were able to get out there. Uh, talk us through some of the preparations that you guys had to do. Um, uh, I know that there's been, of course, in the past, uh, journalists have been detained and things like that, just trying to enter the vicinity of Bilderberg. So I know that uh, yeah. Yeah, there has to be a bit of preparation that goes into this. So, uh, Shepard or Alex, uh, talk us through that. Sure. Uh, well, there was definitely a lot of preparation. We originally, you know, we had our good camera. We wanted to make sure that we had a live stream from there. So the first order of business was getting all the cords and getting all the system set up and kind of, uh, you know, testing the gear, making sure we knew what to do. And then after kind of looking through our gear a little bit, myself and Shepard, you know, aren't the greatest with video camera gear, that type of stuff. I'm more of a website guy. And we've been working with Jason Burmis for the last couple of months, and we thought, well, what better thing we could do with, but uh, add him to, to our team and fly him from New York to Virginia. So once we did that, you know, the preparation as far as video gear and equipment was, pretty easy because i got to tell you jason is uh, amazing when it comes to that type of stuff and you know he really helped a lot with uh our coverage as far as making sure the gear was all good and you know helping us with the contacts and things like that excellent yeah and it's good to see uh, jason Burmis is, is on board with the intel hub and uh, i believe he has his own podcast uh, tell us about some of the podcasts and things that are available from there sure yeah yeah we oh, go ahead we have multiple podcast hosts uh on a, you know, they, some of them a podcast on a, on, you know, several topics. Some of them, uh, stick to certain topics of their field. We're planning on adding some more podcast hosts to the lineup and, uh, we're just doing one a day, Monday through Friday. You can catch it at the top of the intelhub.com at a tab called News Brief, uh, if you want to check it out. It also goes on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, uh, Shepard, I was reading uh, your account of the Bilderberg 2012 experience, and uh, and I noticed you started by talking about, of course, getting to uh, to Virginia and talking about the TSA, getting through the TSA uh, vanguard and trying to get through with all your equipment and everything. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, it was it was it was an experience. I I pretty much was planning on having uh, uh, you know uh, some type of. Uh, 
event with TSA due to the type of equipment we were bringing. Um, I myself had a lot of uh, wires and, you know, if you can imagine, cameras, wires, electronic gear crammed into one carry-on bag. Probably doesn't look too good through the X-ray scanner. So I, I, I pretty much anticipated uh, they would strip my bag apart, which they did, and we filmed it. And then uh, when, when we got through all that, we arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth, and Alex Thomas went out uh, past the security uh, perimeter and actually had to come back in through the TSA, and uh, that's when they told him they detected explosives uh, on his hand. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. Alex? Go oh, ahead, Alex. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, we, okay. Yeah, we. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened there, but we got we got off the plane in Dallas, and uh, I wanted to go to a restaurant that was on the other side of security. We actually had a two-hour layover, so you know I left my bags with Shep and figured I'd go on my person and didn't see any body scanners and thought it would be all right. Well, after I came back, they uh, did the explosive uh, stab and um, basically said that I was. I had uh, explosives on my hand and took me back to the back. And uh, I, if you if you picture the picture, I'm on the side, the wrong side of security. Chef's on the other side. He has all my info, so I basically had to just go through the security procedure. Uh, I did tell them I was with alternative media, so I think that kind of made the pat down a little bit uh, less invasive. And then I was on my way. But yeah, basically, what we learned from that was either they were targeting us or their detection. Uh, explosive detection, which is more likely as just uh, absolute garbage and doesn't really detect explosives at all. Well, also, Jason Burmis uh, refused the uh, body scanner, and he got a, he got a full blown pat down uh, as well. Well, it's all part of uh, guilty until proven innocent in the U.S. of A. these days, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. They want to set the precedent. Unfortunately, so. All right. So, what day did you actually arrive there? We arrived um, we, uh, two days prior, uh, but we arrived in the evening, so uh, we basically just tried to get our rental car set up, which was a fiasco within itself. Uh, I had some issues. Uh, so by the time we got that all figured out, it, basically our car was going to be ready the following day. So we took a taxi to the hotel, started going through our gear, cataloging what we had, what we're going to uh, start using, and we... We had the following day, we had a couple interviews scheduled with uh, people because we're working on a documentary film right now uh, as well. So we wanted to interview a couple people that were in that area at the time. And we also wanted to do some reconnaissance on the Westfields Marriott uh, property itself and uh, try and see, uh, you know, what the security presence was like, uh, you know, what we should expect, you know, how, how might... Uh, the security perimeter be set up. It was pretty interesting. There was a construction worker out there. Uh, they had a six-foot chain-link fence erected around the perimeter on the front face. And uh, the secure, uh, um, not a security worker, sorry, a construction worker. And uh, he was fiddling with this wrench. And I made the comment uh, to Jason and Alex that he, he's probably kind of running point uh, for security because Basically, the fence was already up, and this guy was kind of just fiddling with a little wrench, basically not doing anything, kind of just looking around from the corner. So it was pretty uh, interesting sight. We got some footage of that, and uh, Alex can probably tell you a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I mean, we, basically when we left the hotel, I think we kind of just had the idea that they may already know who we are, and regardless, they're going to kick us out pretty quick. So we just kind of gung-hoed it and drove right in, uh, right directly where we had watched a video of Alex Jones being kicked out. We wanted to check out the security after that. We had actually got there about an hour after Jones was kicked out, and we just kind of drove in. All three of us had cameras as we were driving. We took a video of the entire thing. There was about eight cop cars, a couple Secret Service agents, and uh, definitely on lockdown 24 hours before any Bilderberg uh, attendee was scheduled to arrive. No surprises there. It's all part of the festivities that uh, they uh, that plague the Bilderberg conferences. Well, some exciting, interesting stuff. Let's hold it right there. We'll come back right after this break with more about Bilderberg 2012. Broadcast friends, here we are on Republic Broadcasting, and this is Corbett Report Radio. Tonight we're talking to Shepard Ambellis and Alex Thomas from the Intelhub.com. That's the Intelhub, all one word.com, where you can find all, all sorts of breakdown of the Bilderberg 2012 conference that took place just earlier this month in Chantilly, Virginia. So we're talking about what took place there and the experiences that, uh, that these men had trying to cover the conference. So we've gotten up to the point of the day before the conference actually began. Let's let's start talking about when the uh, the Bilderbergers themselves actually began to arrive. I know that's always an interesting point, Shepard. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, well, when when we first got on scene, it was, it was earlier that morning, and there were already a couple cars trickling in. Uh, I believe like shortly after we were setting up, uh, but we were trying to learn, uh, you know, who was who was a Bilderberger and who wasn't because. You, you did see some nice cars trying to enter, uh, and then we quickly learned that how to identify the cars, and they were all typically basically the same type of car, probably shuttling them from the airport maybe, uh, I would imagine, uh, a lot of them. Uh, some actually arrived in buses as well. But as we got there, Burmis went right to work. Uh, he started uh, throwing cameras around on tripods, and I even made a comment to him, Afterward, I'm like, Jason, that's not how I would have directed that. I, I would have been too scared that, that something would have happened to the cameras uh, because he just had, like, cameras sitting everywhere. It was amazing. Uh, and uh, nothing ever happened to the cameras. Uh, he has lots of fans that were kind of keeping an eye on him. Uh, at the same time, Alex Thomas, we had a Wi-Fi hotspot, so he was busy uploading content to the website the whole time pretty much, grabbing videos from iPhones, uploading them. Uh, so we were always in this constant uh, exchange of data and uploading things uh, via this hotspot, which, by the way, is awesome technology, uh, 4G technology, fast upload speeds, faster than your home uh, actually provides. So we were able to, uh, you know, have a live stream capabilities with high quality, uh, even though that's another story within itself because I forgot the cord. Uh, the, the very first day, so our stream couldn't go live. But quickly after, I realized, wow, uh, we're really going to have to get some close shots of these guys uh, on photo uh, to identify them. And the sun was glaring in, 
and I, I quickly realized the only way to do it is going to be to get right up on the window of the car, and uh, that was pretty hairy within itself because the cops basically weren't allowing anyone to step into the street or they were threatening their arrest. I'll let Alex tell you a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Well, we should mention that uh, when we first got there, it was actually like 6.15 a.m., and they hadn't set up the little checkpoint that they eventually put up about 200 feet into the road as you turn in because when you turn into the road, you have to go down a little bit once you're on Westfield Marriott property before you're actually at their hotel. And so we were actually able to drive directly in to the front of the Westfield Marriott at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, and we had enough time to film a video outside of the hotel, and we also had enough time to have a little confrontation with security that we caught on film. And then we were kicked out, drove out, and as we were driving out, we noticed they were building a security checkpoint. Essentially, we were the last group of people to exit the Westfield Marriott that weren't on the list of approved people to be there. So, And then we got out, and Jason started setting up all the cameras and that. So I'm pretty proud of the fact that we were in the Westfield Marriott for about 30 minutes before they kicked everyone out. And that, that, that's a key point. I'm actually putting together a video of more in detail about that. But then afterward, i got to say, um, what Shep ended up being able to do was amazing. I mean, I would be on the other side of the protest, and someone would be commenting about a tall guy who is getting one inch away from the car taking pictures, and obviously that was Shep. And so, you know, we had uh, Charlie Skelton of the London Guardian directly walk up to us and tell us, the pictures that are coming out of that camera, I'm publishing in The Guardian. And I think that when Shep heard that, when I heard that, we really went into a mode where we need to get high-def photos, we need to get one inch. It doesn't matter if we're arrested. It doesn't matter. I mean, everyone in the crowd knew who the Intel Hub was, so it wasn't like uh, – I don't even think if they got arrested, it might, if Shep got arrested, it probably would have been a bigger story. So, yeah, we really went into a mode of – Get pictures. It's the most important thing. We're going to get them published in the London Guardian. And, you know, we ended up getting uh, three different pictures that Shep took published in Charlie Skelton's blog on the Guardian. So it uh, it turned out to be amazing, but it was pretty hairy for a while. And afterward, having Charlie Skelton and Webster Tarpley uh, end up at our hotel room to try to help us identify some of the globalists who Shep took pictures of, because, you know, a lot of these guys are um, foreign, and we don't, we don't know exactly – who's who by just looking at them besides the obvious ones. The Unless you have Webster Tarpley sitting right next to you and he's basically yeah. like a human uh, dictionary or theosaurus. Yeah. Human encyclopedia. To, to have Charlie yeah. Skelton walk in and uh, to have Charlie Skelton walk in and meet Tarpley even was just an amazing thing to be around. And You know, there was a lot of weird stuff with uh, Tarpley and everything, but uh, right. it was all in all, he was very helpful and everyone was helpful and we got most of the pictures identified the first night. Excellent. Well, let's let's talk about some of the people who you did manage to identify. We're coming up against a break here, but I want to uh, open up the phone lines now for anyone who wants to get in with a question or a comment for for Shepard or Alex, 1-800-313-9443, 1-800-313-9443. And the first person in on the phone lines will be the winner of tonight's free DVD. So get, uh, get that phone number down, get it on, on the air, and get your questions about Bilderberg 2012 answered right after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're talking to Shepard Ambellis and Alex Thomas of the IntelHub.com, which has been a great go-to source for information, not only, of course, about Bilderberg 2012, which they've been covering tirelessly, but also for all sorts of different uh, news and information. Once again, if you haven't been there, I would suggest that you do so. And, uh, and just on a side note, of course, as people have been listening this week will know, uh, we've been giving away free DVDs this week to people who have been calling in uh, on one for each night. And uh, this is in in celebration of the fifth anniversary of the Corbett Report, which is taking place this week. And in uh, to mark the occasion of the release of the latest Corbett Report DVD, which is the 2009 Data DVD that includes every single podcast episode, interview, article, and video that I created and conducted in 2009. Six gigabytes of data and literally hundreds of hours of media. So I certainly hope that you will take advantage of that once it is available from CorbettReport.com later this week. But on that note, we already have the winner of tonight's DVD on the line. So Brock in Australia, great to have you on the program again. I'm glad you called in. All right, Brock, are you there? Yes, can you hear me, Mike? Yes, yes, I, I got you. Thank you so much for calling in. That's okay. Just quickly before I have my question, just wanted to say it's great to have you back on air again, mate, and uh, uh, all the other guest hosts did a great job, but, yeah, it's really great to have you back on, and um, happy birthday as well for the Corbett Report. Uh, thank you so much, and, uh, yes, absolutely. Let me once again give my uh, thanks to all of the guest hosts who really did do a great job. I've been listening over the past couple of days to all of the 15 uh, episodes of my own radio broadcast that I missed while I was away, and they really did do a great job. So, once again, thank you to all of them. And, uh, Brock, uh, congratulations on the free DVD. So do you have a, a question for uh, our guests? Yeah, just uh, kind of been, you know, following uh, NATO G8 and Bilderberg. I just wanted to get from Chef and Alex. Uh, first of all, at, at Bilderberg, who was the most uh, surprising attendee, in their opinion? And secondly, did they get a kind of general theme? Like, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we normally get an issue that comes out of Bilderberg, whether it be... You know, uh, Iran last year, I recall, and, you know, uh, the whole Obama and Hillary thing in 2008. Is there a general theme that, that came out of the meeting this year that, that they noticed? Um, as far as the first question, who was the most surprising, I would say, um, though we haven't got a picture yet, we may have a blurry one of him, I would say that uh, Governor Mitch Daniels of Indiana was a pretty surprising one for me uh, just because of the fact that, He's already been thrown around as a possible running mate for Romney. Uh, also, you know, not a big fan of unions, but he's been real uh, involved in lots of union busting along with Scott Walker. So it's an interest, it was interesting that he was there. Also, he's obviously in violation of the Logan Act. So I thought uh, he was a big addition. I thought it was interesting that Kissinger actually showed up. Um, I mean, I know he goes to lots of Bilderberg meetings, but he wasn't there last year uh, for obvious reasons. And the fact that he's 76 in a wheelchair and he drove uh, directly in front of the protesters and essentially let us all get uh, snapshots of him was almost like he was uh, laughing in our face. So both of those were you know, more, more so Mitch Daniels was pretty surprising for me. As far as the theme of Bilderberg, I'm, I, you know, I don't think it was as much of one theme. I know that they had a, a big 
batch of guests or had something to do with, you know, Agenda 21 type environmental carbon tax issues. Also, there was a few different people there that are definite antagonists of uh, U.S. intervention in Syria, another proxy war, Syrian opposition connected individuals. And then, you know, we did have another thing to note is that we did have a lot of the Bilderbergers apparently angry that, um, you know, we were all out there. So you have types like Kissinger who were almost mocking us and then others who were cussing us out in the lobby. It actually ended up waking up some of the uh, hotel attendees because they saw how disgusting these uh, so-called elitists were once uh, they got in out of their cars. So, And, you know, they definitely were also um, had to have been talking about problems in, in Europe with the Eurozone and the Euro. So I think those three three main issues were, were uh, definitely on the table. Shepard, uh, do you have anything else to add to that? Well, I think it's interesting how uh, how you you always see a connection to media in here. Uh, and this Heather Reisman, the Canadian, uh, the founder and executive of the Canadian retail chain Indigo Books and Music. So, you know, clearly they've been able to keep Bilderberg out of the press for years, out of the mainstream for years. It was a conspiracy. It never existed. Uh, lately it started leaking. Drudge was uh, posting things uh, just before Bilderberg, and now you got outfits like the London Guardian, uh, Russia Today, Hispanic Press, uh, German Press, Australian Press. I mean, it was picked up uh, worldwide in 2012, uh, Pretty much, I mean, a lot of obviously a lot of the bigger outfits didn't pick it up, but I mean, it's getting exposure, and uh, I just I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to put more pressure on the media uh, connections and the tentacles that that go without to, to cover it up for 2013. Yeah, to add something real quick into that, they act, the Washington Post this year actually um, did an article on it and admitted that Donald Graham was there. You know, so that they went from saying it didn't exist to uh, talking about how it's a good thing and our uh, our owner goes there. So we're definitely blowing the Bilderberg wide open. We certainly are, and I've noticed that over the past few years now, they've started uh, basically stopping to den- deny its existence and starting to uh, say, well, of course it exists and it's just a talking shop and, oh, you're crazy if you think anything happens there. But, of course, we've also exposed that. So I think they really are losing the information war in so many different ways right now. And it is sure. because of the efforts of uh, people like yourself who are out there and uh, and really doing something about that. I want to talk about some of the people who were there to protest, but we also have another caller on the line. So let's get him in on the conversation we have Ernie in Indiana. So, Ernie, thanks for calling in tonight. Hey, thanks for being back, James. No problem. So, uh, what's mean, your thoughts on Bilderberg 2012? Well, no thoughts so much as, as this whole Mitch Daniels thing. Do you have any pics of him there? Um, We're going we through the footage. Yeah, we didn't confirm that 100% through pictures, but the list that was leaked to us and publicly posted on their official website did include him and the Indianapolis Star. Uh, did confirm his attendance, so he was there. Good. Thank you. All right, thank you for the call, Ernie. So let's talk about some of the people that were actually there in attendance uh, at the uh, at the protest and some of the people who, who managed to come out, and uh, what was really the, the atmosphere like there? Oh, it was awesome, James. Uh, I mean, activists from across the country, some of the first people I talked to were from all the way up in Oregon, California, uh, coming down from Chicago. I mean, people really made it from everywhere. Uh, Texas, of course, there was 
uh, a lot of alternative media there, uh, Truth Exposed Radio, Alex Jones, Rush of the Day, uh, so many great uh, members of the alternative media. Yeah, we, we, you know, uh, ridiculous amount. I mean, at one point we were at a Texas roadhouse with, you know, if the New World Order knew we were there, which they probably they probably wanted to hit it with a drone. Okay, we're talking that we're at a Texas roadhouse uh, Friday night. Alex Jones is there, Mark Dice is there, Lou Gradowski, Adam Kokesh, Press for Truth. I mean, basically everyone that I've wanted to meet and work with was there, and it was really eye-opening to see uh, all the different alternative media people, you know, that they're just normal people doing their thing, and there's not some huge conspiracy. Everyone's not crazy operatives, and it's uh, it was really refreshing. I mean, besides obviously having to cover Bilderberg 2012, I think the best part of it, and I think a lot of activists agree, was just the camaraderie that we all had and the contacts that we have to this day. You know, I'm already working with almost everyone that we listed, and most of it's because of the contacts we made at Bilderberg 2012. So uh, it was definitely a great, great atmosphere and great to see everyone, even though it was very ominous being in Chantilly, Virginia, with defense contractors around every corner and feds everywhere. So it was uh, very interesting. But that is an interesting point, isn't it? That uh, that really, with the Bilderberg, of course, comes all of the uh, the protests and the independent media, and it kind of creates a counter Bilderberg that happens during the Bilderberg conference and helps to unite uh, all of the the people who are against the Bilderberg agenda. So, in a strange way, it almost kind of helps to bring people together against the agenda they're trying to implement. Yeah, I absolutely. Alternative media that attended uh, James actually uh, kind of fed off of each other and. Uh, and and really uh, were working hard to expose these people. I mean, it was like you could just feel the power. You could feel the force uh, from all the activists, from all the bullhorning. I mean, it was literally shaking the windows on the conference wing uh, at one point. I mean, it was a pretty, uh, uh, I think, a pretty powerful message got sent to these uh, globalist oligarchs. Yeah, and you really, you really didn't see anyone there trying to like the story for their own website or for their own live stream. I mean, no one was there for themselves, at least from what I've seen. Everyone was interested in getting the info out. It didn't matter who had the pictures or the video of a certain arrest or whatever it is. Everyone was sharing uh, all the information between each other, and there was uh, no no feeling of competition or anything that, you know, we've always hear that runs rampant in the alternative media. It just honestly wasn't there, so I was very refreshed. Well, that's that's part of the uh, the problem. I mean, the internet provides so many great things, but part of the problem is that we're also physically disconnected from one another. That 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 wedge can be driven in, and a lot of rivalries and things can be played up because people are not just not in physical contact. But when you bring them together at a place like that, and people see that everyone's just regular human beings who are trying to do their best, I mean, it really does create those types of and forge types of alliances that hopefully will uh, will linger on long after the conference is uh, packed up and gone. So I, it's good to hear that, and I think it is important that uh, that people you build on that momentum. So I'm glad to hear it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big shout out to, it really feels good. Go yeah, ahead. we got a big shout-out to the Drudge Report. We have to, you know, having them uh, link our Bilderberg coverage a week before uh, gave us a boost that we could never imagine. So we, you know, frantically calling our server company, making sure our websites updated and can handle the influx of traffic so you know it was very amazing we even had alex jones uh live on air bullhorning the fact that uh drudge report is now posting intel hub material as well so yeah just just to have that and 
have all of our work basically, you know, I already, in my opinion, it was legitimate, but to have all the other activists reach out and, you know, acknowledge the work we've done while at the same time, you know, us acknowledging what they've done, it's been great. I wish you could have been there. I know you're pretty far away, but it would have been great. It really would have been, and one of these days I hope I will be able to attend one of these conferences, although they're always on the other side of the world for me, so we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen somehow, but at any rate, uh, it is good to hear about that. So, so any other thoughts about what, what took place there or your experiences at Bilderberg 2012? Well, I would also say that some sort of depopulation was mentioned, uh, whether it's in the form of, uh, GMO foods, uh, or, 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 or anything economic, uh, uh, crisis, uh, commodity prices. I mean, all of this is going to contribute uh, towards some kind of uh, population decline. Uh, Luke recently released a video of Ted Turner, who's uh, one of the billionaires for eugenics, uh, essentially saying that hey, uh, they need he needs you know several billion of us to to uh, die. Uh, you know. Yeah, gonna... yeah. We only we're only allowed to have two billion people, which would essentially be. Uh, depopulation of two thirds of the planet, or his other option is to achieve that within a hundred years through instituting a Chinese-style uh, one-child policy, forced abortions, that type of garbage. So that's yeah, basically what he's calling duration. for. Yeah, o- openly on video. So Luke was able to release twelve different videos every hour for the first uh, first day of Bilderberg, which uh, basically caught ten different people on record lying about the Bilderberg group. So the timing of those videos was uh, amazing as well. I'm not sure if you've got to check them all out, but they're all uh, would be huge news on their own. So trying to make sure every one of them gets the play it deserves. Uh, yeah, I'm sad to say that I really haven't uh, taken a look at a lot of the Bilderberg 2012 coverage yet, so I'm uh, I'm open for, uh, for for people to send in the, some of their uh, favorite videos or what they thought was most important. Obviously, this uh, Bilderberg conference taking place right in the midst of a, a presidential election year. Any any thoughts on what uh, Bilderberg may have uh, decided for this year's global uh, American selections? That, that's a tough one. You know, it just looks so much to me like they're planning on putting Obama in. Uh, just the amount of funding that he has and how it's lining up, I really just feel like everything else is a, is a dog and pony show. Uh, this guy doesn't, uh, really even, uh, you know, Obama's really not even out there hot and heavy, uh, campaigning. Uh, so I just think it shows a bit of arrogance and almost a, a notation of pre-selection, predetermination. Yeah, well, let's, well, let's face it, Chef Romney, uh, wouldn't be any better, maybe a little bit worse. The fact that Romney has uh, plenty of advisors that were with Bush actually on the project for a new American century, which we all know called for a new Pearl Harbor before 9-11. So uh, Romney looks like an attack on Iran day one, and uh, you know Obama looks like it continued policies that he's already had. But one thing to mention as far as Bilderberg and the presidential election, um, after Charlie Skelton and everyone left, um, well, not everyone, but he was still there. He was able to book a room for the Sunday night at the Westfield Marriott when the night, the day that all the Bilderberg attendees had left. And he is, is reporting in the London Guardian right now that four different sources confirmed that Mitt Romney was in the lobby, um, which would have had to have been Thursday or early Friday morning because he was somewhere else over the weekend. But, yeah, so we don't have any photos. He's not on the list. But uh, four different sources from a, definitely someone I would trust. I definitely don't think Charlie's printing uh, BS whatsoever. So 
I think we may we haven't been able to confirm yet, but there's a definite chance that Romney was there. And if he was, you know, we don't even really know uh, if he kissed the right hands and did the right things, or if he was there to throw us off again. So it's uh, it's a tough call. Stand down. I mean, who knows? Uh, we all know uh, at the uh, previous Bilderberg meeting four years ago, uh, they told Hillary Clinton to stand down uh, as they put Obama in. So pretty interesting times. Exactly right, and I would personally have been more surprised if either Romney and or Obama had not actually made an appearance. Of course, they're not going to be on the official list because that would be a little bit too much in the face, but uh, but uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that he was there. And uh, and again, we don't really know how to read that because, as you say, we don't know if he kissed the right hand or whatever. It's um, it, it, Bilderberg, from what I understand, can be a make or break for politicians, and just because they attend, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to win. So, but still, a very interesting piece of information. Yeah, John Edwards is a good example of that, actually. Exactly. So right. you know, you you don't you're not necessarily for sure going to be in if you go, but. Yeah. No, that's not the case, so we, we can't read too much into it, but still interesting to know. Well, on that note, let's take another short break, and we'll be back with Alex Thomas and uh, and our friend Jeff Shepard and Bellis right after this, and we'll continue finishing up talking about Bilderberg 2012. Welcome back to the broadcast. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. Here we are in the final few minutes of the broadcast tonight as we're talking to Alex Thomas and Shepard Ambellis of theintelhub.com. We've been talking about Bilderberg 2012 and their experiences covering that for their website. But uh, you also mentioned that you were out there conducting some interviews for a forthcoming documentary. So perhaps, Shepard, you can tell us a little bit about this documentary. Sure. It's uh, called Shade, a documentary motion picture. And to sum it up, for hundreds of years, an elite group of oligarchs have essentially ruled the land. This is led by a legacy of power, greed, and corruption. Uh, in the last 60 years, they've become a lot more organized. Um, you know, their own white papers and documents obviously show a clear pattern of their intentions and their plans. And they don't involve uh, you, the listeners, or your families. Uh, so uh, essentially the film's about depopulation and the agenda behind that, and we're going to go into detail on it and uh, flush a lot of this out and offer a lot of evidence for, for the uh, viewer. Excellent. Alex, do you have any other tidbits you can add? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the chef sums it up pretty good there, but we're, you know, we're trying to get as many interviews as we can with, as many differing opinions, we're not necessarily going to agree with everyone that uh, is in the film, but I think it's going to have a lot of exclusive content and uh, footage you've never seen and um, white papers that you've never seen. So be on the lookout. Also, uh, also, just to let you know, it's going to have an all-exclusive uh, soundtrack, music soundtrack. I mean, from some awesome artists. Uh, it's going to be very cool. Jason Vermis is working with us on it and some other great people. Excellent. Well, it sounds great. So once uh, once you guys progress on that, I'd love to have you back on to talk a little bit more about it. But uh, just in the final minute or two here, any other final thoughts you'd like to leave uh, listeners with about this year's Bilderberg Conference? Well, I just I just want everyone to know it was an absolute total success. 
on uh, humanity's part uh, because uh, I feel like Bilderberg has been further pushed into the mainstream. A lot of people can have a Bilderberg list. A lot of people can know names on a Bilderberg list. But now there's a lot of photos to put to those names, and people can see tangible evidence that these uh, globalist, uh, uh, you know, essentially globalist uh, leaders from around the world, uh, you know, businessmen, oligarchs, whatever you want to call them, uh, are coming together and organizing in a fashion that allows them to pull the strings and sway agendas worldwide. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the, the main the main point I'm taking from Bilderberg 2012 is all it did was solidify relationships that we previously had or didn't have with alternative media, and it's given everybody a chance to branch out, and it's uh, going to backfire on them. So I, I can picture them literally not meeting next year. You know, I, I honestly believe that this is, this is it's been that big this year. So I appreciate you having us on the show, and uh, it's definitely been a Great, uh, great hour went by quick, and maybe we'll have to get in contact with you to uh, film an interview with you for the documentary. So we'll uh, we'll definitely be in contact soon. Well, anything I can do to help out, and it is great once again to hear about the, all of those uh, relationships that were forged and solidified there at Bilderberg. As I mentioned before, I went on holiday. I said it would be a great chance for people out there to get involved and to start to uh, to take matters into their own hands. And hey, if uh, we've managed to uh, to kill the Bilderberg conference so that it never comes back, that would be great. Otherwise, I guess uh, we have a chance to do it again in Bilderberg 2013. But until then, at any rate, thank you so much, guys, for coming on the program tonight. Once again, theintelhub.com, a great source for news and information coming out on a, a daily basis there. So I hope you guys out there are tuned in to that valuable news resource. And on that note, we are fresh out of time. So this is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com thanking you once again for tuning in and asking you to join me again tomorrow night, 23 hours from now, same time, same channel. And until then, thanks for listening and take care.